الحمد لله وكفى والصلاة والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم ربنا إني أسكنت من ذريتي بواد غير ذي زرع عند بيتك المحرم ربنا ليقيموا الصلاة ليقيموا الصلاة فاجعل أفئدة من الناس تهوي إليهم وارزقهم من الثمرات لعلهم يشكرون صدق الله العظيم The month of Ramadan finishes off and the very same moment that the month of Ramadan terminates, the months of Hajj commence. This is a very, very auspicious period of time. Right from the time the month of Ramadan commences, that is a specific ibadat of Ramadan, fasting, taraweeh. Then comes immediately the days of Hajj. Then again a very special ibadat of hajj which is only possible in that specific time, those specific days, in the specific places, can't be done anywhere else. And likewise comes with it the very great ibadat of qurbani, that to something confined to that time. That qurbani which is done in the time, in the days of qurbani, on the 10th of Zulhijjah in the days that follow it, that qurbani cannot be performed anywhere at any other time of the year. That is something confined to that time. So this is a very Mubarak time, these days of Hajj, and going all the way up to the days of qurbani and Hajj, which the actual Hajj will be performed. So in this time, there are many lessons to be taken from these ibadat that are performed and the reminders that we get. This is an entire period of time when all the reminders of Sayyidina Ibrahim and his family, because their sacrifices became the commencement of many of these ibadat. Qurbani is a commemoration of the sacrifice of Ibrahim In Hajj, the Sa'i running between Safa and Marwa, bringing back alive the memory of Hazrat Hajra radiallahu ta'ala anha. So this is a time when all these lessons will repeat itself. The lessons, the reminders. And every year, year in and year out, these reminders will come. Because Hajj will come every year. Qurbani will come every year. So these reminders are every year. So among these reminders are the various du'as that Ibrahim made that are linked to these occasions. One of those du'as is what was recited in the ayat of the Quran Sharif. Allah Ta'ala 
mentions this dua of Ibrahim alayhi salatu wasalam, Rabbana inni askantu min zurriyati biwadin ghayri di zara'in inda baytikal muharram. That Allah, I have now left my family here in this place, which has no vegetation, this barren place, near your sacred house. This was something completely against any logic. No human logic can explain this. It's against any human logic. Ibrahim والسلام, on instruction of Allah Ta'ala leaves his wife and child in a place where there is no means of survival. What human logic can now explain this? But this entire lesson of Hajj from beginning to end, everything is teaching us the lesson that where the command of Allah Ta'ala comes, then leave the logic aside. There is no logic to be applied here. And the logic cannot be applied. Because human logic is too feeble. As intelligent as somebody may be, where all his intelligence finishes off, that is where the hikmat of Allah Ta'ala commences. It's like a person, he can see up to a certain point, but the reality only starts where his vision finishes off. Everything about Hajj defies logic. Person has all the means to buy the best clothing and he owns the best clothing and he has spent so much of money buying that clothing but now he wants to go for Hajj, he'll have to leave all the clothing aside and put on his ihram. That ihram, those are the sheets of ihram, it's termed as put on his ihram but actually the ihram is the talbiya. And a person, a haram actually comes from the word, to make, the meaning of it is to make haram. That's what a haram is. To make haram. Meaning, when a person has entered into the state of a haram, he has made many permissible things haram upon himself. Prior to entering the state of a haram, he could be applying ithar, he can't apply ithar now. He could be wearing sewn clothing for males. He is not permitted to wear his own clothing now. He can't cut any hair. He is restricted from so many things. That which was permissible prior to Ihram, many of those things have now become impermissible for him. This is Ihram. By the recitation of the Talbiya, he enters into the state of Ihram. And those sheets are the clothing of Ihram. But now he owned good clothing. He owned clothing and he still owns it. And after he's over with Hajj, he'll wear it again too. But now you leave all that aside. You wear these two sheets of cloth only. And then, the person comes for Hajj. So he will have to make Tawaf. Human logic can't explain it. That what does a person get out of this Tawaf? But all this is actually an ibadat of a very great level, which is the peak of a mu'min's expression of love for Allah Ta'ala. That now he's been performing his salah every day, the month of Ramadan has been coming, he's been fasting, and he's been giving his zakat, and all this has been now increasing this ishq for Allah Ta'ala. So now the time came to now, express this ishq in the way which defies every bit of logic. Because when love comes, then logic falls aside. Let alone the pure love, 
which is the love of Allah wa ta'ala, or that love which Allah ta'ala has permitted. Allah forbid people get caught up in haram love and they forget their logic. They get caught up in haram love, they forget what is really logical. And they do things which are totally illogical. That love takes over in such a way that a person can't distinguish even between right and wrong. He can't distinguish between what is going to benefit him, what is going to destroy him. He just goes blindly into it. Because he's now no more able to see what, what's good for him or what's not good. He's blinded by that love. That is that impure, haram love. When the true love of Allah Ta'ala settles in the heart of a person, now he wants to express that. So to express that, Allah Ta'ala provided this ibadat of hajj to him. That my ashik and my lover would want to come. So he would want to express his love. So like a person madly in love, he is not concerned about adorning himself in his best clothing, etc. He is only concerned about meeting the beloved. So all these things that become distractions, he keeps it aside. Now like the person going around the house of the beloved, trying to attract the attention of the beloved, he's going around the house of Allah Ta'ala, Kaaba Sharif, attracting the mercy of Allah Ta'ala upon himself. Then, whatever other amal he will do, the sa'i, whatever else, all this defies human logic. Then the time will come when the command will be that now you are getting 100,000 rewards and up to now that opportunity is there. 100,000 rewards for every salah you are performing in the Haram Sharif. But now you leave it and you go to a completely vacant land. Largely vacant completely. Mina. Go to Mina. What are you going to do in Mina? Only perform five salah there for that first time that you get there on the 8th of Zul Hijjah. Nothing else to do. Meaning no other specific amal. Perform five salah. He said, I'd rather perform the five salah here in the Haram Sharif. To go in Mina and perform five salah only. I'd rather stay here and one more day I'll have here. He says, no, you follow what my Nabi Sallallahu taught you. That is what is the command that you will get rewarded in that more. In following what Allah Ta'ala has commanded, what Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi has taught. Not what your logic tells you. Even though your logic is telling you that you will get more sawab for that salah here, but that logic is not right. The reward is in the command of Allah Ta'ala. When something has become linked to the command of Allah Ta'ala, it becomes special. A piece of ground is a ground, nothing in it. But when it became a masjid, it became the house of Allah Ta'ala, it became linked to the command of Allah Ta'ala. That now the masjid is a sacred place. Now that land became special. Once upon a time, a very big amount of the current Haram Sharif, once upon a time was all houses or hotels, accommodation, there were even toilets there. That was the most impure place to take the name of Allah Ta'ala in that space, which was still a toilet at that time, was haram, was impermissible, it would have been a sin. But that got demolished and that got linked to the house of Allah Ta'ala, it became sacred. The command of Allah Ta'ala became applicable to it, that this is now masjid. That place where once upon a time, in that space, on that spot, it was impermissible to take the name of Allah Ta'ala. 
now the person is getting rewarded 100,000 times. What is it? The command of Allah Ta'ala. And then to go to Mina, from Mina to Arafat, and from Arafat, he'll come to Muzdalifa, and then from Muzdalifa, he'll come back to Mina, and then what he's going to do in Mina, in all this time, all he's going to do there is going to be stoning those Jamarat. Human logic, can it explain this? Human logic can't explain anything about it. The command of Allah Ta'ala. So all this is teaching us, keep that logic aside, submit to what Allah Ta'ala has commanded. Not only in the matters of the amal of Hajj, but Hajj now became the peak of this expression of love for Allah Ta'ala. When this ibadat of Hajj came, a person is expressing this love for Allah Ta'ala at its peak. So then this becomes a very big lesson in it. Put that logic aside and submit whatever Allah Ta'ala has commanded. Now when he has come back from that Hajj, he loves this. Whatever Allah Ta'ala has commanded, regardless of whether it appeals to his logic or not. In his business, Allah Ta'ala has commanded don't touch interests, whether it's business or out of business anyway for that matter. Don't take interest, don't give interest. He doesn't try to now work out a middle path Well, we are living in the 20th century and how does one conduct business in this time and age? Allah tell us command, all the logic falls aside. There's no logic to bring it against the command of Allah Ta'ala. Complete submission. This is a lesson of Hajj. Complete submission. And then likewise all the aspects of social life where is the segregation of males and females? And now where is going to be the enjoyment in this function and this family gathering? If now the males are going to be on one end and the females on the other end, many a person makes these kind of statements. Now where is going to be the enjoyment? Allah knows where. What enjoyment that person is looking for? That why he doesn't want the segregation? What kind of enjoyment he is looking for in the integration? So it is all the deception of nafs and shaitan. So now that so-called logic tells him that no, the, this is breaking family ties. Na'uzubillah. What Allah Ta'ala has commanded, what Nabi Islam has taught, and many a person who now wants to take that step ahead, he wants to do what is right. So now he makes it known in the family, extended family, that well now this is what I'm going to abide by. I'm not going to come into a mixed gathering. That you're breaking family ties. So the person who is doing something right, he becomes the wrong one. And those who are doing what is wrong, they are doing what is right in the eyes of people. This is exactly what has been foretold by Rasulullah When on occasion Nabi Sallallahu That how low would you become at that time? When you will start regarding Righteousness as evil and evil as righteousness. That becoming part of that mixed gathering which is a evil, that will be regarded as right. This person is keeping family ties. And the person who is staying out of the evil, that will be regarded as wrong. The person who is doing what is right, he is doing what Allah Ta'ala wants him to do. That ma'roof will now be regarded as munkar. Rasulullah foretold this. These are among the signs of Qiyamah. 
Now all the logic will be used, but the lopsided logic, logic that is no logic in reality, because anything against the command of Allah Ta'ala is totally logical. But insan's vision is very limited, so he wants to now find out, but why, what's, but when those commands of Allah Ta'ala are ignored, and when people start facing those consequences of it, the fitna that ensues from it, and whatever else that happens as a result, now the person starts scratching his head, but where this started off from? So in any case, this whole journey of Hajj is all about the same ishq, and defying this logic, keeping this logic aside, submitting to what Allah has commanded. So the incidents of Ibrahim also of the same lesson, giving the same lesson. This dua that we started off this discussion on actually, Ibrahim the occasion when he made this dua, this was also an occasion that defied logic. That he came and left his wife and child in this barren place. He was given this command by Allah wa ta'ala. He was in Sham, in Syria with his family. And Jibreel came with the Burak. Now we need to go to where Allah has commanded you to keep your family. So now they're coming along on this Burak. And from time to time he can see some settlement, some village, some populated place. So he keeps asking Jibreel is this where we are going to be? We have been commanded to go down. He says, no, not, not here. Another place, not here. Now wherever there's some settlement, that should apparently be the place. Not, not anywhere here. Finally, they come to a place there's nothing. And forget no people, there's no means of survival to. Says this is where you're going to be. And then again, he is not even allowed to remain. Leave your family and immediately move on. Just put them there, settle them there, and immediately move on. Leave them there with what, whatever provisions were brought. That little provision, some water, some dates. How long that will last? And it hardly lasted. But when he did what Allah Ta'ala commanded and without any hesitation submitted to the command of Allah Ta'ala and moved off. And then his wife even asks him that you're leaving us here? How are we going to stay here? But when she keeps asking and he doesn't reply because that too is Allah Ta'ala's command. So now she asks that is it Allah Ta'ala's command? So he indicates yes. Okay then in that case Allah won't allow us to perish. And having done this he now moves off immediately. And when he's out of sight, that's the time he makes this dua. But this dua got accepted in such a way that the effects of that dua are up to this day. But the lesson in this, Alhamdulillah, we also make dua. But that effect of that dua comes with submission to Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala's command the person has fulfilled. What Allah Ta'ala wants from him, he has submitted. And in that there is some challenge also. But he remains steadfast in whatever challenge. But now that he has done what he is required to do, he submitted himself the way he is required to submit himself. And now in that challenge he makes dua, that dua reaches the heavens. Ibrahim Salatu Salam now made dua. Rabbana inni askantu min zurriyati biwadin ghayridi zar'in inda baytikal muharram. Allah left my family in this barren place. No vegetation. Nothing. Near your, sanct- your sacred house, 
this was close to the spot of the Kaaba Sharif. The Kaaba Sharif was not there at that time visible. The spot was there. It had already been washed away in the floods in the time of Nuhu But it was, a mound was there. It was visible. The spot was there. Allah left them here. Why? What are they supposed to do? Now, he's left his wife, his child in a barren place. But the first concern, Rabbana liyuqimus salah. They are here, they're going to need help, they're going to need support, they're going to need whatever else they require, everything they're going to require. But how they're going to get it? First connect them to Allah Ta'ala. Our families have their needs, everybody has their needs, we have our needs. But what is the tartib? We often are wanting to sort many things out, but the sequence, we connect ourselves to Allah Ta'ala. Having connected ourselves to Allah Ta'ala, then we present our needs also. Needs of dunya also. But the sequence is connecting ourselves first to Allah Ta'ala. So Ibrahim Salaam in this dua is begging Allah Ta'ala, Ya Allah left them here, yuqimus salah. Ya Allah you, so that they may establish salah. In other words, you grant them this talking, that this salah becomes a integral part of their lives. This is the doorway to receive what we need. And when this will become established in a person's life, as we have many times discussed, that in the Qur'an Sharif, throughout the Qur'an Sharif is the command of establishing Salah. Not just a performance of Salah, establishing Salah. And establishing Salah is all the same things that we've discussed so many times, five times a day, with Jama'ah, in the masjid, unless the masjid is some very far off, very far off away, or person is not around, a masjid somewhere is traveling or something. And then with all its etiquettes and adab, having performed wudu correctly, performing that salah correctly. So, liyuqimus salah. When that salah will be performed correctly and established, the effect, fajal afidatam minan nasi tahwi ilayhim. Ibrahim is making dua. Ya Allah, you make the hearts of people inclined towards them. Because now they are alone here. They won't be able to live in this manner. They need the support. Dunya is a place of means. So, together with connecting them with Allah Ta'ala, this is also the responsibility of that head of the house, the father, the husband, that he has to see to the needs of his family in terms of their material needs also. So now he's making dua for the material needs. First he connected them to Allah Ta'ala. Rabbana liyuqimus salah. And having done that, now he's making, taking concern for the material needs. So he's making dua for that, because that to Allah Ta'ala is a provider. So among the most important things a person needs is security. And he gains security by means of people around him. And that becomes a means of support in so many ways. So, Allah make the hearts of people inclined towards them. Allah Ta'ala made this happen, let alone in that place and time. But Ibrahim is that personality who all the communities hold him in high esteem. Though in reality it is only the believers who are truly connected to him. Others, 
just believe that they are connected to him. But they still hold him in high esteem. Whether it's the Jews, whether it's the Christians, and obviously the Mu'mineen, the Mu'mineen, they have a very, very high regard for Ibrahim After all, Rasulullah is in the progeny of Ibrahim He's among the great Anbiya of Allah Ta'ala. But this is the effect of this dua that him and his family, every community holds in high esteem. Many others, the mu'mineen, everyone, every of the Anbiya Salam, this is our Iman. We have the highest respect for every Nabi of Allah Ta'ala. But many others, they reject many of the Anbiya. Ibrahim Salam, all accept him. All hold him in high respect. فَجْعَلْ أَفْئِدَةً مِنَ النَّاسِ تَهْوِي إِلَيْهِمْ And then وَرْزُقْهُمْ مِنَ السَّمَرَاتِ لَعَلَّهُمْ يَشْكُرُونَ Allah, you grant them the samarat. Samarat literally translated means fruit. Or this place is without vegetation. There's nothing growing here. And where there's nothing growing, he's making dua for fruit. Now one is in this literal sense. And coming back to the point that was just made earlier, that he did what he was required to do, completely submitted himself to Allah Ta'ala, and then made dua. Allah, you grant them fruit, where? In this barren place, biwadin nothing grows here, you grant them fruit. The fruit of the whole world is available there to this day. So it doesn't grow there. But what you won't see in the best fruit of this country, which you won't see here, you'll see there. The effect of the dua of Ibrahim Whether it then has to be bought or whatever the case is, but it's available. That dua, now that's the effect of that dua. The effect of that dua came after this submission. We also make dua, but then we have to bring that submission as well. One is this literal translation of fruit. But samarat is not confined to this literal meaning means all the requirements, all their needs. Ya Allah, whatever their needs are, you grant it. Where the asbab are available, the means are available. And if a person deliberately doesn't make use of the permissible means, now there's food available, halal food, pure food, it's available, it's there in front of him, and he says, no, I'm going to make tawakkul. So he doesn't eat now the food is in front of him, it's within beach. And he says, no, no, if I'm meant to eat, then that will come in my mouth. And now he's making tawakkul. If he carries on in this manner until his life goes, he'll be guilty of suicide. And he'll be in a, committing a severe sin, regarding which in the ahadis, very severe warnings have been mentioned. That the person who takes his life in a certain way, whichever way it was, then he will continue taking, the same thing will continue happening to him in the akhirat. Person uh, gulps some poison, poison is something that really tears a person's body apart from within. And the pain is obviously excruciating. So now, in the akhirat, in the hadith sharif is mentioned, that, فَهُوَ يَتَحَسَّاهَا فِي نَارِ جَهَنَّمَ خَالِدًا مُخَلَّدًا فِيهَا أَبَدًا he will continue sipping this poison in Jahannam. On and on. Until Allah Ta'ala wishes. Somebody stabbed himself. 
then فَهُوَ يَتَوَجَّمُ بَطْنَهُ فِي نَارِ جَهَنَّمَ خَالِدًا مُخَلَّدًا فِيهَا He continues stabbing himself in Jahannam. Somebody dropped himself from a mountain, he'll carry on falling in the mountain of Jahannam. Now this person had this available to him, but he refused, he said, making tawakkul, and his life went, he's committing suicide. He'd be guilty of this severe crime. But he's not available, and he made sabr, it's not there, then Allah Ta'ala will open the unseen doors. When he's there, he must use it. But he's submitted himself. He's done what was required of him. Whatever was required of him, he's completed it. And now he submits to Allah Ta'ala in dua. Allah Ta'ala will now open unseen sources. Because the seen sources are not in front of him. Not available. There's one incident which one great muhaddis he was around the 5th century Qazi Muhammad bin Abi Bakr so there's a very ajeeb story of his life that he once mentioned so now this aspect about when the apparent means are not there but a person is perseverant he doesn't give in to temptation he remains steadfast. It seems like now he's losing out. Or that business maybe he's going to suffer. Whatever the case is. But he says, I'm not prepared to touch something Allah Ta'ala has forbidden. To do anything that is out of line. Anything crooked, I'm not prepared to do it. So he is defying logic. But he's defying logic on the command of Allah Ta'ala. The logic is saying, just do it now. That's where you're going to make your money. The command of Allah Ta'ala is in front of him. He's not prepared to do what is impermissible. And as a result, sometimes there is some apparent losses, it seems. But when he is steadfast, Allah Ta'ala will open the doors for him. Doors from sources he can't imagine. So, this person also says that time came now, he was stricken with poverty, starvation. Days on end, nothing to eat. Now in this one day, the severe hunger he is walking. In Makkah Mukarramah, he was living at the time. As he's walking, he sees one bag on the side. Somebody has dropped something. Leather bag or pouch or whatever. So he picks it up and he carries on with it, takes it home. Goes home and he opens it. There is this pearl necklace in there. The type of pearls he says, I had never seen in my life. Extremely unique. And he says, case he tied it again as it was and put it aside. Comes out of his house. And when he comes back on the road, he hears one person announcing that I've lost a bag. The person who returns it, 500 dinars is the reward. 500 gold coins. 500 Kruger rands. They start doing the maths. So he went up to the person, what you lost? He described it. Then he brought him home and he asked him all the questions what it was like, what was inside, how many pearls were in there, everything this person explained correctly. So he brought out that bag, is this it? Yes, this is it. Check it up, everything is fine. Okay, fine, you may take it and carry on. On the one side is the starvation and hunger that is with him. In this situation, this has come in his hand. So in any case, this person is giving him that reward. Fine, you return my belonging, 
So there's this 500 dinars as promised. He says, no, sorry, I can't take it. I'm not taking that. Why are you not taking this? He says, this was an amanat. One is that I heard this announcement beforehand. So I went around looking for it to find it. So I'll get the reward. Then I was entitled to it. But I had already picked this up. When I picked it up, it became amanat in my hand. Because it belonged to somebody else. It's a lost property. And I picked up a lost property. It becomes amanat on the person who picked it up. So now return it to the owner. And if you can't find the owner, then there's rules of how it will go about, finally give it away to charity, whatever the case is. But that became my responsibility. I didn't do you any favor. I have fulfilled my responsibility. Now to take this reward is not correct for me. We will say this was on a level of taqwa, whatever it is. But he says, sorry, this person is saying, take it, I'm giving it to you. He says, no, now I can't take it. And as much as this person insisted, he declined. Finally, the person went away. Now, in the state of poverty, starvation, hunger, but neither he misappropriated that, nor did his taqwa allow him because he had picked it up before the reward even he heard about. Now, this was picking up lost property. It was his responsibility to return it. Now, how often our nafs starts making tawil and interpretations just to cut corners. Here, this person... How easily he could have just made some interpretation. That well, I already declined one time. I told the person that fine, I am not entitled to it. He then is insisting, so fine, now why should I make a big issue about it? Straightforward and so clear cut and so easy to just now interpret it around that. But he says, finish, the masala is already clear. I can't cut corners here. That person finally went away. Sometime later, the days passed. Sometime later, this person was traveling somewhere by boat, ship, and it got caught up in a storm. That ship sunk, and he was somehow managed to float on some wood for a couple of days, and finally ended up on one island, inhabited island. Somehow he ended up there, came into a masjid, made himself sort of based there in the masjid, no place to go to, what to do. So only one person walks in after he is now spending some days there. This person was busy reciting Quran Sharif. The person who walked in heard him reciting Quran Sharif. He came to him, do you, mashallah, recite Quran Sharif? I want to learn also. So please teach me. So he started teaching Quran Sharif. More people came to know. And now people are insisting, no, you are spending all the time teaching us. We want to pay a fee for your service, for your time. So now he started paying him for that. Then they brought the children. Any case, as time went on, to cut the long story short, finally they told him one day, look, there's one orphan girl living on this island. We want to get her married to you. He said, no, I want to go back. I'm waiting for some day when some ship will be passing. If I get to know, catch a boat and go join the ship. Somehow to get back where I need to go. So they insisted upon him, no, we want you to get married to this orphan girl. Finally he relented. He said, fine, no problem. So that nikah took place. The nikah took place now. The family people of the girl brought her to her husband. And when they brought her to her husband, he suddenly sees she's wearing something, some necklace, and his gaze is transfixed on that necklace. Now when he carries on just looking at that necklace, people around are looking at him, astounded that what's the problem with this person? Eventually somebody tells him that, look, you're breaking the heart of this girl. 
she's your wife now, and you are looking at the necklace she's wearing instead of looking at her. It's like as if you got no worth for her, she's married to you now, you're more interested in the jewelry she's brought. So he then replied and said that, it's not my interest in this jewelry itself, but this is something which has a very long story behind it. What's the long story behind it? So now he gives this whole incident that I found this bag of pearls in Makkah Mukarramah and this is what transpired and he gave the whole story. It's am 100% certain that this is exactly the same pearls. It's not anything else. And this is my amazement that that bag in Makkah Mukarramah, those pearls and today here on this island, how did those pearls finish off here? So when he explained this, these people shouted out in amazement, in takbir. He wants to know now what's going on with them. So they replied and said that the other half of that story is with us. What is the other half of that story? He says that the person who lost that bag, he lived on this island. And after he returned, he was on Hajj, whatever he had gone for, that incident happened, and finally he came back. He used to on many occasions mention this incident. And every now and again when he would mention this incident, then he would also say that, I only met one Muslim in my life. Referring to the person who returned that bag. Meaning a person with that very high level of sincerity, honesty, no ulterior motives in anything, only well, considering the welfare of others, the well-being of others, not trying to make any, derive any benefit for himself out of somebody else's issue. Many a time, sometimes somebody has some problem, we try to extract some benefit of ours out of that problem. I saw one Muslim, meaning a real Muslim, living up to the word of a Muslim. Al-Muslimu man salim al-Muslimun min lisanihi wa yadi. The Hadith Sharif Nabi Salaam defines that who, who really is the person who deserves this title. Al-Muslim. The person who nobody is harmed by any word or deed from him. Either in his house, outside his house, in his business, no person suffers any injustice, suffers any hurt, any difficulty from his words, from his actions. This is a Muslim. Now this person used to talk about it in this context. He said, I only saw one Muslim in my life. And then he used to make dua. He said, Ya Allah, you make it such that I meet this person again. Because where was Makkah Mukarramah and where was this island? And now there's one off meeting, no exchange of any details. They didn't have anything that, what's your WhatsApp number, then we know what's happening. We keep in touch. These things didn't even exist. So, no way to even know where to find the person in the whole world. But he used to make dua. Ya Allah, you make it such that I meet this person again. And if I ever meet him again, I will get him married to my daughter. Since he has passed away. He already passed away. But Allah Ta'ala brought that day today when you are married now to his daughter. And now she came along because after the father passed away, she inherited this. So now she came along with that. And then he would go on to explain that then he had children, two sons, some time passed, his wife passed away. So all her belongings, 
the two sons and the husband, they inherited it. After some time, the one son passed away. Then the other son passed away. So as a result, he became the sole owner of all this. And he says that this is the wealth. Now he had become a very wealthy person. He says all this wealth is that, that incident of Makkah Mukarrama. So, this lesson we were talking about, we drifted from the topic of that this complete submission to Allah Ta'ala and this dua. Now, the, when the apparent means are not there, now like this person, that starvation, that hunger, the means were not there. So he turned to Allah Ta'ala alone. Allah Ta'ala opened this door for him. But he remained steadfast. He didn't allow anything to contaminate himself. He remained pure. He remained true to Allah Ta'ala. Now that was a test. He passed the test. Allah Ta'ala opened this dramatic door for him. So when the apparent means are not there and a person still remains steadfast, Allah Ta'ala opened the unseen sources directly. But the means are available, he must use the means. He must not disregard the means. And he must make shukr upon it. So here also Ibrahim is making dua. Dunya is a place of means. Ya Allah, Allah, you grant them the means. You make things, because this is not dunya that a person asks to be treated in a way where there is no means. So he'll ask for the means, he'll ask for barakat in the means also. But if he's not there, he'll make sabar. If he's not there, he won't let that deviate him from the path of Allah Ta'ala. He'll remain steadfast. So Ibrahim Islam is making that dua, Ya Allah warzukhum min samarat. But when that samarat comes, when those means come, when that wealth comes, when that luxury and comfort comes, when that excess of wealth comes, then, then what? Does it mean now then a person starts doing what he wants? Starts using that gift of Allah Ta'ala to break Allah Ta'ala's commands? To now start doing whatever the wombs and fancies demand? And then the doors of shamelessness just are thrown wide open? Those kind of things which were unimaginable start happening in weddings and functions and whatever else. That utter shamelessness which our forefathers couldn't have dreamt about. That this would happen in our communities. So that is not what this wealth and this means is for. وَرْزُقْهُمْ مِنَ السَّمَرَادِ لَعَلَّهُمْ يَشْكُرُونَ That this means also must become a means of getting closer to Allah Ta'ala. Allah grant them the samarat and their needs so that then they may become grateful to you. That they will use those means, they will eat, they will make shukr to Allah Ta'ala. They will have the means of dunya, they will use it in a way that will earn the pleasure of Allah Ta'ala. They will use it to help those who are less fortunate. Those who don't have those comforts and forget the comforts, they don't have those basic needs which we have so much of. We'll use it to share some of it with those who are in desperation. We'll use it to help the deen of Allah ta'ala. So this is that shukr. So now when this will be the way a person will respond to those means, Allah Ta'ala's, Allah Ta'ala's promise, لَإِن شَكَرْتُمْ لَأَزِيدَنَّكُمْ So now he used it in a way that Allah Ta'ala is pleased with it. Allah Ta'ala says, I will give you more also. So this entire lesson of Hajj is all to defy this logic. Submit entirely to Allah Ta'ala. No questioning the commands of Allah Ta'ala. 
whether it pertains to our business lives, our personal lives, our social life, whatever aspect it is, our ibadat obviously, whatever command of Allah Ta'ala, the command of Allah Ta'ala, that is it. No questions asked. Complete submission to Allah Ta'ala's commands. And with that submission, then dua. And then the effect of that dua will be seen. That the person now has given himself to Allah Ta'ala, in tansurullah yansurkum. First, do what is our responsibility. You help the deen of Allah Ta'ala, Allah will help you. Now, we want Allah Ta'ala's help first. Ya Allah, you help me, then I'll do for you. You want to turn the whole sequence upside down. That as if we are testing Na'uzubillah, testing Allah Ta'ala. As if Na'uzubillah, Allah Ta'ala is in need of us. That if Allah Ta'ala does this for me, then I will do that. In one hadith it is mentioned, that sometimes a person, he takes a vow. He takes a vow that if this work of mine gets done, then I will give this sadaqah, for example. So Nabi Islam says, إِنَّمَا يُسْتَخْرَجُ بِهَا مِنَ الْبَخِيلِ Actually what this is, that this is how sometimes from a miser some things are taken out. He didn't want to give it in any case. Now such a situation came, now he started taking this vow. That my work gets done, then I'll give this. So then finally the work gets done, now you'll have to part with it. That's provided also he doesn't start making any kind of uh, some explanations and like one person, his child, little baby got very sick. So now he's standing there and seeing now child is in a very, very critical situation. He says, Ya Allah, if this child comes back to health, then that cow, I will sacrifice it. Now his son was standing alongside him. The son knew the father. And he knew that this is something, I don't know whether my father said it in his full senses or not. So he asked him that you really serious about it that if this child comes back to health, you're going to sacrifice the cow? Because now those days that cow was a very big thing. So he thought about it. And then he said, Ya Allah, actually I was referring to that cow that ran away. <laughs> so after a while that son asked him again, but just think about it carefully. If we do find the cow, you'll really sacrifice it? So again he thought about it. Then he finally said, Ya Allah, that cow that died yesterday, that one was referring to. <laughs> so this is now playing games with Allah. So the Asum says that, Innama yustakhraju biha min al-bakheel. That miser, he didn't want to give anything to start off with. This became a means of taking it out of his pocket. What is the correct sequence? Give that sadaqah and make dua. Give the sadaqah and now ask Allah. Ta'ala. Ya Allah, you accept this sadaqah. Ya Allah, in the barakat of this amal, you grant whatever the need is. So, this is it, that submission to Allah wa ta'ala, and together with that submission, now this is that whole lesson of these days, to keep checking within ourselves, what is our level of submission? Starting with our salah, Rabbana liyuqimu salah. What is our level of submission to this salah? One person, just today, was discussing something, so in the month of Ramadan, he was, many problems and so on, in any case, now he came to give some kind of updates. So he says, none of the problems have changed in any way. Whatever was happening from before Ramadan is still happening. But he said, I haven't stopped, I haven't missed one salah from the time of Ramadan till now, I haven't missed one salah. Now on the one hand, he said, I didn't miss one salah. And he's saying, nothing has changed, the problems are just like that. But at the same time, you see, there's something else also that I want to say that despite the problem still being the same, 
Nothing has changed in the problems. But there's a peace in my heart which I never experienced before. The problems haven't reduced also. But despite the problems just being what they are, but I'm finding a peace in my heart which I can't, I didn't experience before. He wants to know now that is this because of my salah that I'm very punctual on my salah and what else are you asking about? What else can it be? You have now started fulfilling Allah Ta'ala's command. So this is Allah Ta'ala's promise. Like, You've come to a very big step of zikr. Because the commands of Allah Ta'ala, fulfilling those commands, being obedient to Him, this is zikr of Allah Ta'ala. Now you've taken one big step forward. Okay, there's still many things to sort out. But from where you were, you've taken one very major step forward. You started putting your salah in order. And Alhamdulillah, from Ramadan till now, you didn't miss one salah. Why would you not experience that sukun? There's still much more to do. It's not the end of the road. But now this is that salah. Rabbana liyuqimus salah. Now what is our submission in the salah? Starting off with the fajr salah. That's where the whole day starts. That is where the whole test of submission commences. And then throughout the day, all the salah. And together with the salah, all the other aspects of life. This is what this whole effort is. To get us to start for each one of us. The speaker first and foremost to keep reflecting. What is our level of submission? And what is still lacking? How much more I have to submit to the commands of Allah Taala? What else I have to rectify in my life? My ibadat, my mu'amalat, my dealings, my mu'asharat, my akhlaq. How am I dealing with people, with my family, with others? These are all the things we have to reflect upon and make that effort to get closer to Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala, give us the tawfiq. وَآخِرُ دَعْوَانَا الْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ رَبِّ According to Hadith Sharif, the person who recites La ilaha illallah 100 times daily, Allah Ta'ala will cause his face to shine like the 14th moon on the day of Qiyamah. What this means is, inshallah, with the barakat of this daily recitation, Allah Ta'ala will give him the tawfiq of righteous amal and save him from sins, which will become the means of this great honor on the day of Qiyamah. We should therefore try, inshallah, daily to recite this kalima 100 times. This will become, inshallah, a means of great khair for us. Allah Ta'ala give us tawfiq.
ഹിമുൽക്കരീം ഹിമീൻസാക്കീൻ وإن لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين اللهم وفقنا لما تحب وترضى واجعل آخرتنا خيرا من الأولى اللهم ثبتنا على الإيمان وأمتنا على الإيمان واحشرنا يوم القيامة مع الإيمان ربنا لا تزيغ قلوبنا بعد إذ هديتنا وهب لنا من لدنك رحمة إنك أنت الوهاب ربنا إنك جامع الناس اليوم لا ريب فيه إن الله لا يخلف المعاد إله العالمين يا الله أموس موسف الموس غريشس موس كاين موس نبيك الله إله العالمين يا الله فقيبا سي الله يا الله فقيبا سي الله يا الله فقيبا أولو بيجيت بين السنس يا الله يا الله يكنالج أول درونز يهدن يا الله There is nothing we can hide from you يا الله إله العالمين يا أول نوين يا الله يا أول سين يا الله You know the deception of the eyes and what the hearts conceal, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, we are submitting ourselves totally to you, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah, you accept our Tawbah, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, you accept our Tawbah, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, you forgive us, Ya Allah. Forgive our families, Ya Allah. Forgive our friends and relatives, Ya Allah. Forgive the entire Ummat of Rasulullah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah. Shawa your Rahmat on the Ummat, Ya Allah. Shawa your Maghfirat on the Ummat, Ya Allah. Remove the difficulties and hardships of the Ummat, Ya Allah. Remove the pain and suffering of the Ummat, Ya Allah. Remove the oppression from the Ummat, Ya Allah. Remove 
the poverty of the Ummati Allah. Allah more than everything, Allah remove the jahalat of the Ummati Allah. Remove the dalalat and deviation the Ummat has fallen in from Allah. Allahul Alameen, spread the winds of Hidayat, Allah. Blow the winds of Hidayat, Allah. Ilahul Alameen, bring one and all onto Sirat-e-Mustaqeem, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, keep us steadfast on Sirat-e-Mustaqeem, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, save us from all the isms, Ya Allah. Save us from all the deviation, Ya Allah. Save us from all the corruption, Ya Allah. Save us from all the fitna and fasad, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah. Let us be entirely submitted to you alone, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah. Allah, you guide us, Ya Allah. You guide us, Ya Allah. Allah, you guide us, Ya Allah. You protect us, Ya Allah. Allahumma waqiyatan kawaqiyatil walid. Allahumma waqiyatan kawaqiyatil walid. Allahumma waqiyatan kawaqiyatil walid. Allah, look after us like that little baby is looked after, Ya Allah. Yudahul alameen, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, you guide us to that which pleases you, Ya Allah. Save us from everything that displeases you, Ya Allah. Ilahul alameen, Ya Allah. Save us and our families from all the fitna and fasad, Ya Allah. Ilahul alameen, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, you grant us your love, Ya Allah. Fill our hearts with your muhabbat, Ya Allah. Allah, you become ours and make us yours, Ya Allah. Ilahul alameen, fill our hearts with the love of Rasulullah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Grant us the love of his Mubarak Sunnah, Ya Allah. Enable us to live his Mubarak Sunnah, Ya Allah. Remove the ways of the Yahud and Nasara from our lives, Ya Allah. Ilahul alameen, grant us istiqamatun deen, Ya Allah. Ilahul alameen, all those who are sick, give them shifaya kamila, ajila, mustamirra, daima. Allah, remove every trace of their ailments, Ya Allah. Allah, grant us cure from all our spiritual ailments, Ya Allah. Grant us cure from our physical ailments, Ya Allah. Ilahul alameen, Ya Allah. All those in any kind of difficulties and hardships, remove it, Ya Allah. Allah, remove all the pain and sorrow, Ya Allah. Remove the anxiety and grief, Ya Allah. Fill the hearts with itminan and sukoon, Ya Allah. Ilahul alameen, Ya Allah. Allah, all those in financial difficulties, remove the ta'afiyat, Ya Allah. Ilahul alameen, Ya Allah. Fulfill each one's jai's needs from the ghayb, Ya Allah. Fulfill each one's pious aspirations, Ya Allah. Ilahul alameen, all those who have passed away from our families, from throughout the ummah, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, you make their complete maghfirat, Ya Allah. Fill their qabrs with noor, Ya Allah. Run them the high stages in the akhirat, Ya Allah. Ilahul alameen, at the time of war, they take us with the kalima, La ilaha illallah. Muhammadur Rasulullah. Allah, take us on iman e kamil, Ya Allah. Take us on tawbat al Ya Allah. Take us at a time that you are pleased with us and we are pleased with you, Ya Allah. Make that the best moment of our lives, Ya Allah. Ilahul alameen, make our qabr's gardens of Jannah for us, Ya Allah. Grant us the shafaat of Rasulullah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Allah, give us jannatul firdos without any reckoning, Ya Allah. Ilahul alameen, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, all those who have raised their hands to this dua, Allah, all those who ask us to make dua for them, Ya Allah, you fulfill each one's needs, Ya Allah, remove each one's hardships and difficulties, Ya Allah, fulfill each one's pious aspirations, Ya Allah, Allahul Alameen, make us all yours, Ya Allah, that is our greatest need, Ya Allah, that we become yours, Ya Allah, that we become your true and obedient servants, Ya Allah, that we become your sincere slaves, Ya Allah, that we completely submit ourselves to you alone, Ya Allah, Ilahul Alameen, you grant us that out of your, Ya Allah, fazal and karam, Ya Allah, Allah, we don't deserve anything, Ya Allah. We don't deserve a single thing, Ya Allah. But you are most kareem, Ya Allah. You grant those who don't deserve, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, you bless us, Ya Allah. Bless our families, Ya Allah. Bless the entire ummah of Rasulullah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah. All the good that Rasulullah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, begged for. Ya Allah, we also begging for all that good, Ya Allah. Whatever Rasulullah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, sought refuge from, Ya Allah, you give us protection as well, Ya Allah. Allahumma inna nas'aluka min khayri ma sa'alaka minhu nabiyuka wa habibuka sayyiduna Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wa na'udhu bika min sharri ma sta'adhaka minhu nabiyuka wa habibuka sayyiduna Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam anta al-musta'an wa alayka al-balaq 
ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد وآله وصحبه أجمعين والحمد لله رب العالمين